Growth. It's called it's called growth. We talk about it a lot on our podcast if you've ever listened. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I ain't got shit for today. Oh, I do. I have a bunch. Okay, good. Yeah. And you're gonna love it because it's definitely things that we can elaborate on. And you'll be able to talk. Oh, good. You're welcome. I like when I get a chance to do that on our joint podcast. As you say to me, I have nothing for today. What? <laughs> I would really love to talk, but I'm bringing nothing to the day. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Hey, I'm Olivia and I'm Kelly and this is a Court of Theories podcast where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. You know what I have? What? Tell me. I have the curse of genius. Uh, Would you like me to explain that to you? <laughs> Do you know <laughs> mansplain to you what that means? You know what? This is very real. Like, I know that I'm, like, saying it like a smart ass, but this you is know, actually you, a very well, real you thing. Well, you are. But, <laughs> but I'm serious. So the curse of genius is whenever you've learned something about a topic, you assume that, like, everyone else knows it. Because you're an ass. No, I don't. What happens when you assume? There you go. I, but you assume that everyone else knows what you know, and then, like, you don't recognize that you are knowledgeable about a topic essentially so i know a lot of the shit but then if you're like bring a topic i'm like i don't know but then if you start talking about something i guarantee i'm gonna have something to say you know what i mean oh yeah i know because i edit it all the time whenever you interrupt me kelly if i didn't interrupt you i would not have any speaking time on this podcast no i look at you you just interrupted me just now that was in between my And you're beans. eating. You're literally eating and can't stop interrupting me. So what? You want to hear one of Warren's favorite knock knock jokes? Yeah. Yes. Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting. Moo. <laughs> Isn't that so good? <sighs> That's one you can tell Doug. So he'd love it (laughs) the fact that i knew exactly what you were gonna do that reminds me still so funny okay so are you ready to start are you ready for it yes bitch i happy birthday to for me Happy birthday I was to not ready for you. It. <laughs> Happy birthday, <laughs> Olivia. Oh, God, I should have been recording this. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. Woo! Beautiful performance. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's Liv's birthday episode! Yay! I cannot believe I have a birthday episode. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. I mean, 21, am I right? <laughs> no. I, was it your... Am I 21? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. It was my 22nd birthday, thank you. Okay, that was the one. 
That was the one that you threw your shoes in the gutter outside of the bar. And <laughs> I stuffed them down the sewer drain, yes. Yeah, because you said... Why? You said, I don't want these on my feet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, live. Oh like, God. it's November. Like, it's not... <laughs> I you were like, I don't want these on my feet anymore. <laughs> we're all just... And then like... <laughs> It the clown and the all the alligators in the city like just got those black flats just <laughs> never let them know your next move. And the looks up, the looks that some people gave outside of <sighs> boogie nights. Um, Should I make a hashtag Olivia's birthday episode? Olivia's birthday episode. Um, so only part of your gift is here because. Oh, those just those makers on Etsy, they be making. So anyways, but on that table in that red bag to the story. Great. Love it. So, yeah, whenever this episode comes out, it'll be your birthday. Well, your birthday will be the next day. Yeah. Birthday week. So on the table behind you is a red bag. Am I supposed to open it? Yes. So it's just oh my god no you're, <laughs> you're gonna sh- i have to go get it you're not just gonna like, present it to me oh my god this makes me feel less awkward kind of i don't know at least nobody can see me do not record me don't get any ideas Ugh. why don't you open it for me and just show me no <laughs> i might be a bitch but i'm not your bitch <laughs> Not today. I was gonna say. I think. Happy I think that could be disputed. Also, you have to leave the bag and the crinkle paper here for whenever your the other half comes. So I was then, like, "Oh, are you gonna re- reuse this?" Yeah. Yes. But. Oh my god! Tell our listeners what you got. I'm obsessed. Okay. This one is enormous. So what the hell is it, this for a laptop? Well, it could be, but also it is specifically said to fit Sarah J. Mass hardbacks. Oh my god. <laughs> I haven't tried putting one of the large so, books in that other one that you got me. Uh, I wouldn't. I've, you, I've You might not be able to zip it. What these, did I use it for the other day? Starling House, maybe? Oh, that's probably normal. I was really gonna say I've size. used it for normal size books. I had room. Okay, I had. This to, is from Bookbo, right? That's Isn't that what Bookbo, it's called? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I had never heard of it before when you I'm got Bookbo me the last obsessed. one. I'd never heard of it before. That was my first experience. So it's like a fancy padded book carrying case it's their jumbo this one is enormous book book bow jumbo anyways i could put your dog in this yes yes you could and it's bryce and a hunt and i love it so much and there's a crescent moon it's an exclusive (sighs) book bow it's licensed it's all the above i also have one for me because i couldn't let you oh my god but we have to, then we can put our flame and shadow in there. Uh, are you going to cry? No, but I'm obsessed. Br- you can see Bryce's like scar on the I leg. know. I she know. has the sexy gold armbands. I know. We know we're into that. Meow. We've talked about that. I don't Hunt know what has knee pads. Does Hunt wear knee pads? I don't care. This is adorable. I've been, so that, I've been sitting with that. So I had to pre-order that. Usually it's uh, it's at least eight weeks whenever they run pre-orders. So I've had that pre-ordered for you forever. Bryce and Hunt forever. 
I was like, I love it. And yeah, it came in the mail this week and I was like, Oh, and then I, that's when I looked at the dates and was like, your birthday is next Friday. And I doubt that you want to hang out and record, but this episode comes out before. So yeah. So I have a couple of the jumbo ones. Okay. Well, here you go. What am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. Just sit it over there. Just sit. Do. One second. Please hold. Boom. There we go. Perfect. I love it. I'm obsessed. Oh. Is there designs on the inside there? Isn't there? No. Not like a, a pattern? No. Oh. Maybe some of them might. I think the other one did. But that one, I think. But so I had a jumbo that I used for Throne of the Fallen. Carrie Maniscalco's newest book. And it's about the same size as the Crescent Cities, and it definitely fit perfectly. Yeah, your laptop. This is a... A 15-inch? I think it might be. I don't know what this is. How do you know? No, no, this is a 13-inch MacBook Pro, and this is definitely going to fit in here. So, the Jumbo dimensions just to so their dimensions and specs the jumbo is a 10 inch by 13 inch approximately fits everything above and then some like all their other sizes it is for your heart larger reads like the hardback harry potter and sarah j mass books <laughs> just all inclusive just all inclusive so no need to narrow it down yeah, we she wrote it it'll fit baby that's right this is fantastic i I will actually, this is just a laptop case now. You'll see this every Friday. Every Friday night. Because I just am raw dog in my laptop. I mean, it makes me. (laughs) Bless it. We got to wrap it up. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy and your laptop. Last week, I had an uncased phone. The last however long you've had an uncased laptop. I actually, this is new. I just bought this. this. But I mean, all of them in the past. Hmm. Actually, the first one that I had, I had a pink case on it. I definitely thought you were going to say the first one I had a penis. <laughs> oh, pink case. Oh. I'm obsessed. Ah. I, I'm so happy. This, this is like a perfect Bryce. I feel like people either get Bryce like really right or really wrong. That, that They crushed it. Yeah, that one is, it is perfect. I'm not sure who the artist is on that one. I don't even know if it's up on BookBo's website anymore. Sometimes they'll bring back some of the SJM. The also, moon, like the city, Bryce's the river. little Faye pointed ears and pointing out, poking out through her hair. I know it's Hunt's wings about to touch the ground. I know his I, little Umbra Mortis boots he's got on. I know. I knew you would love it. It. He's uh, wearing a leather jacket. I'm upset. I don't know why I'm flipping it over. Like it's going to be different on the I, other side. But it's okay. Listen, I love it. I. I'm Thank so you. happy that you love it. Happy birthday. Thank I you. can't wait for I want to tell you so bad what your other gift is. Can I tell you or do you want me to wait? Honestly, I suck at surprises. Are you surprised? First yes. off. Yes. What did you think it was? Or did you have any idea I whenever no idea. I texted you and was like, I try not to have like expectations of things. Also, this sounds ridiculous. But like whenever my parents are like, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for like, I literally can never come up with anything so yeah I'm thrilled I just never have like once or if I do have once I just fucking buy it I know I there's been so many things so I made a link tree because I'm sure that with Casey's siblings and stuff like they're gonna they're usually ones like 
they can't just come up based on knowing me for 14 years to come up with something on their own. So we have to send out wish lists. And so I'm like, mine is not just constricted to Amazon. I have so many of these other like. Here's a fucking link tree. So I literally made a link tree. I made a link tree because I want. One of the big things that I want. And I told Casey, I was like, I want you to tell everyone that this is absolutely what I want. Is the Lore Olympus hardbacks from Barnes and Noble. Speaking of just buying shit when you want it. Tell Bi- me. Biblio styles had a drop today. I, I saw. Like, I was like, I'm not, I don't need anything. I just got two sweatshirts. I don't need anything. I bought two sweatshirts. That she does. Mm-hmm. I bought that. Well, this time she also released it in purple. Oh. And yeah, it's I like saw- a dark kind of dusty purple. So I bought that. And then I bought the Crescent City one. Yeah, I saw where she. Are you looking? Yeah. And I didn't look oh, until the Corinthians already sold out. Well, might you check the size and say I didn't look until nine minutes after, and I was shocked that I was able to get it because oh, I, I totally forgot that she had the Terrison one. Which one, the gray one, or the, the, the one with the castle? One with the castle. Does she have it? Like, I don't know if that one even came back in stock this time. It was. If they're pictured, she had them. I should have bought it for you. Sorry. It's okay. I was literally I only thinking of myself. I know. It is your birthday month. So that's okay. But if it comes back in stock and I don't notice it, say something. Uh, say something. Damn, I was going to say this Illyrian Mountain Cabin Rentals one is still available, but only in a 2XL. I mean, we could make it real big. These are, I was going to say, these are oversized as it is. I mean, uh, it could be a dress. We could make it a dress, slap some leggings on, wear some Ugg boots. So, because I typically wear like extra large sweatshirts and the ones I bought this past time were larges and they're, they fit like an extra large. I will say, uh, I have extra larges from the first time I ordered from her and I do, I mean, I still wear them. They're still comfortable, whatever, but they do look really baggy. I think, I guess it's just kind of whatever look you're after. Yeah. I'm not like someone small and thin enough to do, have like the oversized look like right. a lot of the people o- can. I just look ridiculous. Well, I'm the same that uh, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to wear my boyfriend's clothes. So then it's like big on me and nope, nope, <laughs> it fits me. Um, so I'm going to show you your other gift. Because I'm not really sure when, like, it's showing that it was supposed to arrive next week. I can't wait. Especially since this is your birthday episode. I cannot be a a dick. I mean, I can. But after this, we can't ever talk about your birthday ever again. Until Mm. next year. Okay. So, check your phone because this is what else I got you. A dragon? A flower dragon, just like our, yes, and the purple and black. It just felt like him just for you. I love it. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. That is so cute. I knew you would think he was cute and he's not obnoxiously big. So, which of course he shouldn't be because he was also a small guy. He, he needs to fit on my bookshelf. I know. 
I love it. Thank you. Happy birthday. I can't look in your eyes as I say it. Okay. No, that's okay. (laughs) Here, I'll even look down too and like, okay. I know. It's just so awkward. I can't accept things. Uh, But yay. I love it. It's so cute. Happy 32nd birthday, you you old hag. There we go. See, now I made it less weird. Just, I brought us back to normal. Thank you. Restoring the balance. Yeah, we we couldn't stay in in that world anymore um but no i i want i hope you have a a good birthday next week and i knew you didn't want wouldn't want to come and record i'm sure your family would want to actually do something with you on your real birthday probably my poor husband Uh, bless him he's always like what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, I don't want anything. What do you want to do for your birthday? I don't really want to do anything. What? <laughs> I never give him anything to work with. But at the same time, I'm telling the truth. Right. Like, and he's said that before. He's like, you you make shit hard because you're like, I don't care. I don't care. He's right. like, but at the same time, it's genuine. And you're not just saying that. And you're not going to get pissed if we literally do nothing. Right. And I'm like, no. You know who else's birthday is November 17th? You're not going to get this right. I was like, am I supposed to know? You need to guess. My sister reminds me of this literally every year. Is it someone that I know? Not personally, but yes. Oh, God. Is it a celebrity? Yeah. Hold on. We're basically twins. Don't Google it. I have to. I don't know. That's cheating. It is because I don't know. Not November 10th. That's today. RuPaul? Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. <laughs> I did not know that I had the same birthday as RuPaul, though. That's amazing. Yeah. And Rachel but McAdams. Yeah, but yeah, Danny DeVito. My sister every year, she's like, happy birthday to you and Danny DeVito. <laughs> and Martin Scorsese. Like, what is happening? Right? Lauren Michaels? Oh, yeah. Lor- uh, Sarah Hyland from um, Modern Family. I don't know. But it like, literally November 17th. RuPaul, Danny DeVito, Martin Scorsese, Rachel McAdams, Leslie Bibb. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Lauren Michaels, Gordon Lightfoot. Also don't know who that is. Or Sophie. I don't know her. Daisy Fuentes. I feel like I know who that is. I feel like I should know who that is. That name sounds really, really familiar. Oh, she was known for Baywatch. Okay. Did she also do like Pilates or something? (laughs) Oh, she's been with Revlon. She's a comedian, model, television host, and former weather presenter. She's Cuban-American. Fuentes became MTV's first Latina VJ. I don't know what that means. That's what... Are you serious? VJ? Yeah. MTV, back when they played music videos and they had like a studio and like, it was in New York City. <gasps> oh! It was music videos, so they were VJs instead yes. of DJs. Okay, yes, because watching it in the morning... Daisy Fuentes went. Pilates. I fucking knew it. Oh. That's why I know her because of Pilates. Well, well good. I did not know that it, RuPaul. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Ru- because I'm, I really thought Madeline would know that. Yeah. She's a big, I big just drag that, race fan. I, I, well, yeah, as one should be. I just love that RuPaul and Danny DeVito are side by side. Honestly, same and vibes. One of, the, one same of these vibes. days when I'm a successful published author, I'm going to be right in the middle. That's right. Right there between RuPaul, them. Olivia Hutchison, Danny, Danny DeVito. DeVito. You know what? All same vibes. All the same vibes. I need to be well known enough that I can invite them to my birthday party. Yes. And we could have some kind of like joint birthday party in Las Vegas. Yes. And we'll record the podcast while we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Live stream the whole thing. I Yes. 100%. Thank you. Happy birthday to... We'll be perfect. Sorry, Rebecca.
you. Rebecca is the only fan that's personally reached out to us. The only listener. Is she a fan? That sounds really fucking douchey to say. No, it doesn't. Don't diminish Rebecca or us. I wasn't diminishing her. I was definitely diminishing (laughs) us. Rebecca is the only listener that has personally reached out. She's the real MVP. And said that she enjoyed the show. So we're just going to keep talking about her literally every week. Because sometimes I don't um, even enjoy the show. Like, because it... <laughs> and I'm part of it. Gives me wings, baby. Not Just like Red Bull. Or yeah. those all those Alani's. You want to tell our listeners how many you've had today? Three. Is that um, a lie? No. I don't drink more than three. You sh- I try not to drink more than did two. Did you see where my response was? Two is the max. One for yes. the morning, one for the afternoon. I did. I ignored you. Uh, um, I'm, I know. So, so, I mean, I know it's your birthday episode, but... Do we want to talk about some theories? So this will go. Well, this episode will come out next week, day before your birthday, on the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. Then the second part that we're going to talk about that I have it's very Bryce related. I love Bryce. I know comes out on Thanksgiving. I love that. I hate whenever like a podcast and stuff like or TV shows, but they like take a break. I'm like, double up before that. Right. I don't need a break. Well, and that's why I'm like, we are going to have to double up. Good. Good. And also the follow, so Thanksgiving, so the, this will come out, that episode will come out on the 23rd, literally come out on Thanksgiving because everyone's going to need an escape from their fucking families. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Well, the 28th of November, according to Reddit is Emily Theory's birthday. Okay. So for Liv's birthday episode, a big topic that I have heard us drone on about for us pa- drone uh, what <laughs> we're only three hours into this record is the theory that the archeron sisters are all starborn mm-hmm. so i found this theory and i'm and i know that we'll be able to like build onto this but so this theory i found through tumblr and it's silver lined eyes is the tumblr user of who this theory is under okay it's been reposted a lot, but I kind of looked back and they seem to be the origin of this theory. So okay. they've actually thanked other users on theirs that they've spoken to about this and have their own thoughts that have influenced it and helped them. Collaboration. Yeah. And then she even has where it's winged blooms has, I guess, contributed more to this and then added on to it and there's more detail and stuff. So I'm going to go through silver lined eyes and then I will follow up with the winged blooms. And then there's actually a fun little sidebar theory that has to do with Illyrians out of this that I know that you're also going to love. Is it that Illyrians are the byproduct of Lysandra hooking up with the Braxos? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, it is not. That is the crack ship of all crack ships. Okay. Okay. So anyways, we're going to start out this theory can you imagine like the first illyrian because clearly the asteri bred the illyrians but can you imagine like the first one being born with like like scary bat wings and like they had to be like oh our little demon baby yeah yes i'm obsessed yeah Pharaoh's demon baby Mm -hmm. yep there's an episode called that so there you go go. okay so we start out with first a theory within the theory to start us off so i'll also link this theory in the show notes so then that way everyone that contributed to this they get the say theory one more time theory (laughs) i I mean it's relevant it just yeah also it's literally in the title of our podcast As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, 
your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt, a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top grain American leather in a variety of colors, and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com, and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code theories at caseleatherworks.com. Okay, so let's see. Thea and Fionn actually had three children. They did? Is this biblically accurate? This is, it, <laughs> this is a theory within the theory to start us off. Okay. Okay, so it's theorized that Fionn and Fionn. <laughs> okay, so Thea and Fionn actually had three children. So in mm. Sky and Breath, we know that Thea and Fionn had at least two children, Helena, the eldest, and a second daughter, whose name we haven't learned yet. Come on, Sarah, give us that shit. Nameless Damn. Nameless is my prize. I'm just saying. I miss them. We already have two people whose nameless was their prize. I miss Why them. not three? I miss them. Anyways, Helena was starborn, and her second daughter was as well. And then I don't have a page number, but it's pulled from Sky and Breath, and it says... Yes and no, Bryn said, sitting back in the chair. This is just a three-page account of Prince Peleus and his bride, Lady Helena. But I didn't realize that Peleus was actually the high general for a fae queen named Thea when they entered this world during the crossing, and Helena was her daughter. And then we skip down to where... Don't you love how the Osteri has like spun this into the crossing? Like, when they came to this world. Like, right. Not that they weren't shoved by force. Right fuckers and then we jump down to where it describes night-haired helena from whose golden skin poured starlight and shadows okay it's all within the same paragraph but i just skipped over a couple things um and then so then also this tumblr person i have a post about my theory about the second daughter here if you're interested which we'll come back to later so Thea is an interesting name, though, because Thea was also the name of a titan in Greek mythology, a titan who had three children, which I'm pretty sure that we have talked about this yes, in the past. <laughs> Just to rehash in Greek mythology, Thea was also called Euryphasa, which is wide shining, is one of the 12 titans, the children of the earth goddess Gaia and the sky god Uranus. She is the Greek goddess. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I was like, just rush through it. No. <laughs> rush through. Go. Okay. So she is the Greek goddess of sight and vision. And by extension, the goddess who endowed gold, silver, and gems with their brilliance and intrinsic value. Her brother consort is Hyperion, a Titan and God of the sun. And the together, they are the parents of Helios, the sun, Selene, the moon, and Eos, the dawn. Brother consort? I said what I said. I feel Let, like we touched on that, but oh God, that still just kind of gets you. I know. The that's gut. why I rushed through it. Stop <laughs> making me think about Sorry. I'm rushing through. Continue. Like her husband slash <laughs> brother consort. <laughs> Thea features scarcely in myth, being mostly important for the children she bore. Because that's all women are good for. Though she appears in some texts and rare traditions. So Helios, the sun, Selene, the moon, Eos, the dawn. 
Anthea is scarcely discussed in myth, but is instead most important through the children she bore, like maybe the Thea in Akatar CC as well. Anyways, back to her children. Okay, so we know we have Helena, who had dark hair and whose skin poured starlight and shadows. Helena means light, but it also comes from the Greek word for Selene, meaning moon. Helena means torch and beautiful, light, bright, and shining, which are also can also be like fire. Well, no, can be words to describe the moon. The moon is bright tonight. The moon oh. is shining. When you said torch, I immediately thought fire. Oh, well, that's like the and first then one. And then the name. She could be flame and shadow. I mean, facts. The name is <laughs> as well derived from ancient Greek. It's right there. Selene, which means moon. So you, the silver line, what did I say? Silver lined eyes. I almost said silver lined dough, and I knew that was not correct. So silver lined <laughs> eyes. born born. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it says. That's B-O-R-N. That's what it said. I believe you. Oh, God bless. We questioned our own selves. I know. That's I, I, and I just kept saying it. I'm like it, like it was that's gonna, un- like see? it was gonna change. Women, we doubt ourselves. I know. Even when we're right. I know. God damn it! I was like, I just know that this doesn't feel right in my soul, but I'm just gonna keep. But I don't it. believe in myself enough to challenge it. <laughs> Okay, so they go on to say, so I think Helena represents Thea, the Titan's first daughter, Selene. And they say that her starborn powers were like moonlight. Then we have the second daughter, who is suspected will represent Eos, the dawn, and expect their starborn power would resemble the light at dawn and be golden. But is it possible that Thea and Fion had another child? Because remember... The Asteri have spun things to whatever they want it to be. I mean, we have seen that in the book. Mm -hmm. Books, the crossing, the great parting of the sea, possibly a boy who remained in Prithian, a boy who represents Helios, the sun. And she, they go on to say, and I think they did. And I suspect that Helios is Helion's ancestor. And that they believe that the Archeron sisters now have the starborn powers of one of Thea and Fion's children. Feyre has Helios's light. So she says, I go more into depth about this theory in an, an additional post. But she suspects that Feyre got her starborn powers from Helion. And that Lucian also possesses those same powers because she got a kernel of power from every High Lord. And now they suspect that Helion got those powers from his direct ancestor, the other child of Thea and Fion, Helios, whose name Helion's name is a direct reference to. This would also explain Helion's reaction to the mask in A Court of Silver Flames. He says something about his ancestor having a bad so, experience with it. Ugh. So out of the text, Helion world to Nesta, all sensuality vanished. You truly wore this and lived. It wasn't a question meant to be answered. Cover it again, please. I can't stand it. Reese tucked in his wings. It affects you that much. Doesn't it rake its cold claws down your senses? Helion asked. Not as much as all that, Farrah said. We can sense its power, but it doesn't bother us so seriously. Helion shuddered and Nesta threw the cloth over the mask, as if the cloth somehow blinded it to their presence. Perhaps an ancestor of mine once used it, and the warning of its cost is imprinted upon my blood. Helion shook out a breath. All right, not Lady Nesta. I'm sure Nesta. that's just filler. Yeah, it's just filler. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, not Lady Nesta. Allow me to show you some warning tricks. Even Cleather Resand doesn't know. Okay. 
And so they go on to say that they suspect Helion reacted this way because Helios, his ancestor, wore or encountered the mask around the time that the mask was first made and likely wore it and used it given his starborn powers. Okay. Okay. This would also explain the color of Helion and Feyre and Lucian's light, a bright white like sunlight. Okay. Because Lucy's daddy. Okay. Do you think he knows? Do you think Helion knows? I don't think so. I don't think that they have any idea. Has Helion seen Lucian? He has to have. If Lucian's an emissary, surely he's been to all the courts, right? Maybe not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, so have they even met? See, that's... I don't know. Because I I don't... Because he Lucian was not at the High Lord meeting. So how... I mean... Yes, he was under the mountain, but no one was talking to anyone. How under do we the learn about who tells us about Feyre, Lady Autumn, and Helion? Who tells her about it? Reese, is it Reese that because wasn't it was it like some interaction with Eris or something? Because like I mean, Eris is very protective of his mother. Is it after? Azrael and Cassian rescue Feyre from Eris and the brothers. And she's, I, I don't know why he didn't kill me, essentially. I think so. Okay. Who tells Feyre about Leon and... I mean, she figures it out, but... It's like, yeah, but I, that's what but I'm just like. Context, how, did we even, how did we even know that there was an affair and all that? So, let's see. Do you think Lucian isn't... Someone said, do you think Lucian isn't really Helian's son? Yes, he is. I'm just trying to find where it shows. Sorry, I just interrupted you. No, but like now I railed it because I want to know because I in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that he doesn't know because I want to believe that if he did know he would have to reach out to him that he wouldn't ignore it. And then another part of me is does he know and does he stay away so as not to ruin his life essentially. But then I'm like, no, if he knew he would say something. I think that Maybe they were in the same room talking about story and how someone they deeply want something, but they do the opposite instead. Yeah. Helion deeply wants to be with Lady Autumn and he cannot be. So instead he just has flings with literally anyone and everyone. Yep. Cause he can't commit to the one person he wants to commit to. Nope. There's Helion's story. I know it says Feyre manages to work out that Lucian is Helion's son in Akawar. And it mentions how similar their noses are. How has nobody ever seen that resemblance before? Because in Akatar, she knows that Lucian resembles Baron. Someone appeared beside Lucian, a tall, handsome, brown-haired man with a face similar to his own. And I mean, yes, he but can look like say, Baron, but he has like the golden skin. I was going to say, he also, she also makes a comment at some point about how people look similar in a way that people from the same place look similar. Yes. So as like, People from the autumn court have a general look about them as is that doesn't. So that could be kind of what she was relating there instead of necessarily like actual genetics. Right. And also the I'm not red, arguing you. I'm supporting. No, the red hair. I mean, yeah. the red hair is a glaring autumn court because I mean, you have to think Lady Autumn is his mother. Yeah. I mean, so he's, and she's very powerful in her own right. So the yes. power that he has doesn't necessarily come from his dad. Yeah. That's why his dad wanted his mom because. And that's why in the last episode, we talked about that passing through the female Mm -hmm. lines, how those things can pop up and how they can even pop up in, in males, but him having his golden skin, none of his brothers are described that way. Like 
yes, he has his hair, but that's red, but it's not described the same way as it is and the others that live in the autumn court, it definitely is more described like, yes, it has like the fire elements, but it's that brighter like fire. Like you're definitely leaning more towards the sun part of that. Mm. But I'm just trying to find where exactly and like how it happened. Like what was this? What set the scene? Yeah. What was the context? Yeah. And because it was in Akawar. If I just Google like Lady well, Autumn and Helion, does something come up? Also, I hate that the only interaction we have with Lady of the Autumn Court is she gives Farah a bucket of clean water for saving Lucian's life. And she's like, my debt's paid. You right. saved my son's life. You saved here's my son's life. Here's a bucket like, of water. Yeah, here's a bucket of water what? so the adder doesn't beat the shit out of you. Like, like, what? Be so real right now. You cannot. So I just saw this thing where. Oh, I was trying to like, okay, whenever you're like, it shows up on Google where it gives you like a snippet and you're like, oh, okay. And you click into it. And then it's like whenever you're trying to find a recipe and then you're like, it's let me tell you about this recipe. And then it says back in my day, whenever I worked Mm -hmm. on the dairy farm and you're like, fuck me. And you have 37 pages before you get to that. And then there is no jump to recipe, like recipe, but three hands after losing his (laughs) only three hands. I meant three fingers. (laughs) whatever only three hands i but, swear i've not been drinking but, i'm not under no, any kind I, of influence i don't know what's in that water bottle straight up water dude just straight up water dude uh well who knows what this town water but basically it was trying to say that like lucian and helian don't know but it was trying to say something about like, eris knows or like eris suspects it which of course eris suspects everything also him and asriel not only are they going to fuck, but they're going to be mates and it's all going to snap into place. So if they're both male and they're mates, who offers who food? Or they just eat each other's ass. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and that's the delicious meal. I can't with you. Gobble down that dick. <laughs> My God. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. My husband's never gonna let me come here again. <laughs> so, anyways, anyways, I just I'm, wa- I'm wondering if it's an Aka war because she attends the High Lords meeting. Okay. Yeah, it says that they she figured it out in Aka and did, war, and then just like, okay, yeah, but I just meant the whole backstory of her. She's watching some conversation happen, but Lucian would have to be in the room for her to really put two and two together. I wonder if she just like starts looking at him after she knows about the affair. Oh, I guess Helian does tell them the story of him with the lady of the autumn court. Helian tells them? Later, he tells them the story of him with the lady of the autumn court and both Feyre and Rhysand realize, okay, well, Feyre realizes it and she tells Rhysand down the bond, but realizes that he is the biological father of Lucian, something that neither Helian himself or Lucian is aware of. Because I guess there's this Tumblr post by King and Fireheart. (laughs) It just made me laugh. It's titled, The Lady of the Autumn Court, What the Fuck is Happening in Autumn? Part two. (laughs) We don't know what the fuck has been happening in the forest house, but we do know the following. The Lady of the Autumn Court is, was, extremely powerful. Lucian, and to some extent Eris, are mama's boys, even though Lucian has been exiled for centuries. It's just funny. Okay. Anyways, we could keep spiraling. Okay. What says it? What? At least one of the seven brothers, Lucian, is Helian's child, but Helian saved the lady after she had already had some kids. 
so Eris probably isn't his, even though they both have amber eyes. Helion and Eris have the same color eyes? And Helion have the same eyes. Okay, before I start getting real Delulu here, is Baron physically abusive to all of the kids or just Eris? No, like I'm And he's an asshole to Lucian. I'm pretty sure he used to like beat on everybody. Okay. He's known for his temper. Like he definitely beats the shit out of Lady Autumn. But the other brothers, well, two of the brothers died. It says three of them. We don't have their names. I'm pretty sure that two of them died. I think, did Reese kill them? Or did someone killed? I, Tamlin and Lucian, whenever they were going after him, after his dad killed Jasminda. That, okay. Yes. Tamlin killed yes. a couple of his brothers. Yeah. They originally had seven sons, Lucian, Eris, and five other unnamed sons. Two of the brothers were killed, one by Lucian and one by Tamlin. Only the third one returned home and rejoined the family. So whenever Baron killed Jasminda, it's it was literally because he said that his son deserved someone better, someone who is on his level. Is Baron just abusive and is just oblivious and doesn't know? Or does he know? Okay. This is the same post from King and Fireheart. We have derailed She's, very far. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll, 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 That's why I was like, do we need to have another episode? No, because no. we know we're going to get carried away. We're going to gear back in. We're going to um, gear back in. She's like color coded this shit. Okay. Oh, good. Lucian explaining how he was treated since Baron may suspect he's Helian's heir. And as we know from Tamlin, future high lords have physical markers. So here's an excerpt from the book. His jaw tightened as the youngest of seven sons. I wasn't particularly needed or wanted. Perhaps it was a good thing. I was able to study for longer than my father allowed my brothers before shoving them out the door to rule over some territory within our lands. And I could train for as long as I liked since no one believed I'd be dumb enough to kill my way up to the long list of heirs. And when I grew bored with studying and fighting, I learned what I could of the land from its people learned about the people too. I'd say that sounds more high Lord like than the life of an idle unwanted son. That this is like Pharaoh saying that to him. I yeah. think a long steely look. Did you think it were mere hatred that prompted my brothers to do their best to break and kill me? Does Lucian know that he's not? Does Lucian know he's an heir? Did you think it was mere hatred that prompted my brothers to do their best to break and kill me? See, I always read that it was like just influenced by Baron. As being the youngest son. So but what's now, he, so what's he saying? It is if he's saying if he's telling Pharaoh that it's not just hatred. God damn it, Sarah is fucking good. This well, eats me alive. And you know we're not going to get an answer until the next Akatar book. We are not going to fucking this, know. This until ha- I was going to say this has to be an Akatar. This has to be in the first book. Him telling her about this. Well, I don't know. It could be in. No, it could be in Mist and Fury. Okay, well, either way, the like, first they, couple of books. I think whenever he comes to the Night Court, I think this is whenever they kind of really talk more about that stuff. Because he doesn't really open up too much in Akatar. Yeah, this is in Akawar. There's so much that happens in Akawar that just like... So they're literally like, trekking through the Autumn Court and like, he's leading her through her and basically like, telling her, we don't want to fucking get caught out here. Yeah. We'll have to stay out of sight. My father doesn't pay well for his crops and the land workers will earn any extra coin they can. And Ferris says, even selling out the location of one of the High Lord's sons, especially that way. 
they don't like you. And that's when he says, as the youngest of seven sons, I wasn't needed or wanted. So he he's explaining essentially how he knows the people out there. Right. I can't get over this. Since no one believed I'd be dumb enough to kill my way up the long list of heirs. He eased to his feet with a groan, his unbound hair glimmering as the midday sun overhead set the blood and wine hues aglow. I'd say that sounds more high lord than the life of an idle, unwanted son. So Pharaoh's like, you sound like a high lord going out and meeting the people. Yeah. And he gives her a long, steely look. Did you think it was mere hatred that prompted my brothers to do their best to break and kill me? Is that not sound like he knows he's a high lord's heir? And I mean, well, that's not barren. I know, but I'm just like. Because, like, yeah, a seventh son, like, just even outside but that, of... that's what he's saying. He's like, why would anybody give a shit? Do you think it was mere hatred that would make them want to kill me? Like, why else would they give a shit? Unless he was, like, a threat in some capacity. Right. Or powerful, more powerful than them in some capacity. And so she said, then Farah says, despite myself, a shudder rippled down my spine. I finished off the apple and uncoiled to my feet, plucking another off a low-hanging branch. Would you want it your father's crown? No one's ever asked me that, Lucian mused as we moved on. Dodging fallen, rotting apples, the air was sticky sweet. The bloodshed that would be required to earn that crown wouldn't be worth it, neither would its festering court. I'd gain a crown only to rule over a crafty, two-faced people. Lord of foxes, I said, snorting, as I remembered the mask he'd once worn. But you never answered my question about why the people here would sell you out. And then he tells her the story about Jasminda. Because they treated him like he was one of them. Mm -hmm. And then whenever he didn't protect her or couldn't stop her from being killed, essentially, it was a betrayal of their trust, too. God, that makes it sound. What else? What else is the possibility here? Did you think it was mere hatred that prompted my brothers to do their best to break and kill me? She says, I'd say that sounds more high lord than the life of an idle, unwanted son. The only thing I'm going to say is in a, in saying that he doesn't know about Helion with this, because this is very like kind of in your face is that I think Tamlin says it's not necessarily the oldest, right? I think that he says like it can skip around. It can even, maybe Reese tells her it can skip around. It might even choose someone outside of the family, like a cousin. I'm pretty sure Reese says that. Yeah. Because. Which is interesting because Kier used to run or Kier's, Moore's family used to run the night court and before Reese's dad took over. So I'm interested to see what that story is. But Right. And so maybe... maybe so she's saying, like, you seem pretty high lord. And so he's saying, like, yeah, I know. That's why my brothers wanted to kill me. Right. Instead of, so he's saying like he could see himself as being destined essentially to be the high lord. I definitely forgot that they talk about, Tamlin talks about it. It's skipping around. Yeah. Because it's more about the strengths and the traits that you have. So, with, so his brothers clearly can tell that he's something. got markers for some for High Lord, but they assume that he's trying to pass or that he would be passing them up for right. Autumn Court. Well, and also maybe just taking like Helian out of the equation at that point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Even just looking at he was there out there with the people. He identified with the people and he was going to marry one of the people if by whatever chance he could possibly become the high Lord, then that would put a common fae in the, in the lady seat and 
Baron saw that as the true threat that it was. So there, I mean, there's definitely some kind of common meaning there. But uh, when I first read it, I was like, Lucian knows. But now I'm like, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows about Helion. I think he knows that he has High Lord Marker. Yes, I think it's not a red herring necessarily just because he does understand how like the hierarchies and everything actually work. Because Tamlin was not the oldest, right? I don't think so. He had two brothers. But his I brothers mean, died. Because, well, he was... That's why that's why he plays the fiddle. Because he was not being groomed to be the High Lord. Yeah. And also, I think that's why he's not a very good one. But anyways, he's a shit person too. But that's... I didn't say it. We're not going to talk about it. Anyways, Tammy. Okay. Woo! Bringing us back. Okay, so Helian, Feyre, and Lucian all have a bright white light like sunlight. We're bringing it back. That's how we got off on a Lucian tangent, which was a very good conversation that made us just rehash on why we love Lucy. I hope Helian doesn't know because it's going to hurt my heart if he knows and has never confronted Lucian about it. I don't think he knows. I don't think he has a fucking clue. Yeah. But Baron and Lady Autumn and Eris clearly know. Do you think Baron knows? I mean, Baron knows there was an affair, but I, I don't say, think he, I don't think he can confirm. He, yeah. <clears throat> Whenever she's pregnant, when he finds out about the affair and essentially he can't prove it um, and doesn't want to be embarrassed by having been cheated on, essentially. Right. So he just like, drops it and yeah. just starts beating the shit out of yeah, her. Yeah, I was say, I mean, he definitely beats the shit out of her. I think that Iris being one of the oldest brothers, if not the oldest brother, I'm not so really. So isn't it so funny that his name is Eris? And he's like an heir. Yes. Like female heir is an yes. heiress. And his name is heiress. Yes. I love it. Anyways. But I, I mean, he has to have, or honestly just picked up on cues because you know that he has definitely attended stuff with Baron, with Helian, High Lord stuff. If also he's like Baron's like, pick. Yeah. He's kind of a mama's boy as is. Like yes. He, he probably knows what's yes. up. Yes. He's all about protecting her. And, in, and then in terms of protecting her, he has to essentially protect Lucian, which we see. Yeah, because they're the favorite. Like, yes. Is Eris doing it for that he cares for Lucian or is it doing it because he cares for his mother and his mother cares for Lucian? It, it's he cares for his yeah. mother and his mother cares for Lucian because yeah. I don't think that he truly could up to a certain point in the story. I don't think he could have gave two shits on if Lucian lived or died. Other than the fact that he knew that it would destroy I his I was going to say, I don't because really think... that is the offspring of the person that she loves. Yeah. Truly. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that like he hates him. I think that they're probably just so he's the oldest. Lucian's the youngest. Like yeah. they probably have literally no relationship. Like he's probably indifferent. Not that he even hates him or anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, not probably saying, just like, like whatever. Couldn't like, give a shit. Yeah. If, if they, one like, day he turned up dead, like, his life wasn't going yeah. to end, but he saw what it would do to his mother. Right. So that's why he cares. It wasn't a hatred like the other brothers have. It was a yes. indifference. Yeah. Essentially. I hope they can become close. I think, I think that we will definitely see more relationship building with Eris. There's one relationship that I definitely want to build, but okay. Anyways, I'm so sorry. I'm not no, going to say anything. We, we just love Lucy so much. Okay. So then moving on from the bright white like sunlight. So Nesta has Celine's, which is Helena's light. In the prologue of Akasif, Nesta describes what happened in the cauldron as this. And when she opened her mouth to scream, when the pain ripped her very self in two, there was no sound. There was nothing in this place but darkness and agony and power. They would pay, all of them, starting with this cauldron, starting now, 
She tore into the darkness with talons and teeth, rent and cleaved and shredded. And the dark eternity around her shuddered, bucked, thrashed. She laughed as it recoiled, laughed around the mouthful of raw power she ripped out and swallowed whole, laughed at the fistfuls of eternity she shoved into her heart, her veins. The cauldron struggled like a bird under a cat's paw. She refused to relent. Everything it had stolen from her from Elaine, she would take it, or she would take from it. Wrapped in black eternity, Nesta and the cauldron twined, burning through the darkness like a newborn star. So the burning through the darkness like a newborn star, this certainly seems to suggest that Nesta became starborn. Literally a newborn star in the cauldron. And that, that would be an became starborn or were already. So whenever I was like reading through this, I. Because if, if because, I'm not like picking you apart, I'm just saying like. Pharaoh, we could say, yes, she is starborn because she was made. But then if Nesta became starborn because she took from the cauldron, Elaine went first. So that would exclude Elaine. Well, this theory kind of talks about as they were all made. But what I think we cannot overlook in talking about this theory is, number one, the thing that I keep bringing up all the time is that there was more to Nesta even as a human. Yes, Nesta stole from the cauldron, but I think there was already something there. And Yeah, and their parents too. Like. Right, and then Farah having the old Fey name. And Thea's magic running through a human and, life. Right. Yeah. Elaine literally be an anagram for Aelin. I, I mean, there has to be a reason that Reese and Farah were like having visions of each other yes before she was ever failed there right. has to be a reason just kind of with with Aelin how whenever magic was just like swept out of Terrison and her other form is a human form she was basically in so many words like trapped in that human form and she had to rediscover her face self down in that power and like bringing that up which is also very much in parallel with Bryce with like her wealth power that she has to you know find because they they talk about like in TOG she really wasn't finding the bottom of that wealth power and we kind of see some of that with Bryce too and they don't really talk too much about the wells of power with Akatar characters as much but I think there was already something there that maybe all of them being made brought back out. Like this was their different versions of the drop. Mm-hmm. There's another theory. It's what we'll discuss for next week's okay. episode. <laughs> but there is just discussion about the different characters in the different series being anchors for the characters as they did the quote unquote drops. And so Feyre could have truly died for Tammy, but Reese essentially anchored her and pulled her back. Yes. She chose to not give up her full life and Reese was her anchor. And then she came back and all the kernels from the high Lord is what gave her that extra boost to come back to life. And so I think that not saying that Elaine and Nesta died when going into the cauldron, but essentially they did to be made. So Nesta fighting back, she was basically fighting through this different version of the drop. And Maybe it, that's their ordeal. Yeah. I mean, truly being remade. But I think what it does is, again, Nesta showed signs of already having something there. Mm-hmm. 
that this brought this back out. So this is just expanding on this theory that they already have, that she was burning through the darkness like a newborn star. Mm -hmm. It was already in her for her to be able to do that. Kind of just like with Bryce having the star on her chest. It's and it how it shines bright. I think that those are two things that we need to look at as a parallel with each other. Well, I mean, Bryce has the physical star on her, but for Nesta to have emanated that, that star power in itself. So I think it was already there. And I think that that is just her fighting was her being reborn. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, they go on to say this certainly suggests that Nesta became a starborn. I don't think that using became a starborn. I think her ordeal and her coming came back into it. She came into it. She it was, was already, already there. Yeah, okay. It was already running in her. And this was. I'm with you. Yes. So that's not what they're necessarily saying, but that's yeah. where my brain goes. And then also in Akasif, Cassian says that Nessa's eyes glow like silver fire when her power is near the surface. He says, do you know how your eyes glow when your power rises to the surface? Like molten steel, like silver fire. The word glow suggests that her eyes are emanating light, which is something Starborn do, which we have seen with Crescent City with Bryce. And the fact that it describes as silver reminds very much of moonlight. So like that nighttime moonlight, star power, stars shine bright in the sky with those white lights. And then later when Nesta has a nightmare, it says her door was open and light blazed from within silvery cold light which also is no different than a star in the night sky. Just especially us coming from talking about Celine meaning moon and Celine is Helena. And then another one that says like Nesta Laner bed, body arched, bathed in silver fire, silvery cold light coming from her room, reminiscent of moonlight, which is never warm. And then they go on to say, I suspect that this is, isn't just from Nesta's death power, but is also a hint that she too is starborn and that she inherited the starborn powers of Helena, AKA Celine. And that's allegedly Thea's second daughter, the Crescent city, Thea's second daughter. Okay. And then Elaine has Eos's and the second daughter's light. Finally, we have Elaine, who Sarah compares to the Dawn several times, which we have talked about in our Hades Persephone, mm-hmm. Elaine. She was described like a summer dawn. And then in the bonus chapter, making her glow like the sun at dawn. Could it be possible that it's not just the fey lights that make her glow? I mean, yes, the cauldron gave her a gift, but was it giving her a gift that was just going to amplify her a power that was already within her it saw how powerful she was and how she would be able to basically manage being a seer and what all came with that Mm -hmm. like it says when elaine first comes out of the cauldron she starts to glow so it says pale skin started to glow her face had somehow become more beautiful infinitely beautiful and her ears elaine's ears were now pointed and they say that they suspect her skin started to glow here because she is now starborn which just that language, not that she's now starborn, but that she's, that was her ordeal. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> she survived the drop. Yeah. Um. What do you mean you shouldn't have said anything? I don't know. I feel like I made it difficult and didn't have to be difficult. <laughs> no, it's, 
I mean, it's definitely something that we have talked about time and time again. The reason that I liked this theory was just because it was taking those moments and you were just kind of seeing those parallels between a goddess's children and then how possibly the Asteri has flipped it to where it's not just two children, Mm -hmm. but was it three, which aligns with the three sisters. Yeah. So it says on here that Sarah often uses glow to hint at power. So then it is showing us that Elaine now has her powers and her powers are forefront and they can definitely be parallel with starborn powers in that she suspects that the starborn powers of the second daughter who represents Eos, which is the Dawn. It's also been predicted that this might be at least part of why Elaine was not there when Bryce came to Prithian because Elaine is starborn and maybe the most powerful starborn of the three sisters. And they go on to suspect that she will start to glow around Bryce. Kind of like how Bryce would glow for Cormac. Yes. Elaine wasn't there. No, Elaine was probably hanging out with the twins or the baby. Somebody has the baby. Oh yeah. Somebody has the baby. Elaine. Well, the twins had the baby a lot. So Elaine was probably with the twins who also had the baby. They're good babysitters. They got their weird shadowy powers. That's probably the only ones that could really keep up with the baby anyways. And then it says, or Bryce would at least start to glow around her. And Sarah didn't want to give that away at the end of sky and breath. And it does go on to say the powers from the time Athea and Fion are being reborn. So again, like with the drop, you're basically being reborn. Being made is essentially the same as being reborn. So what does this all mean? <laughs> what is this? What does this mean? That is the question. I mean, truly, Sarah, Sarah, are you there, Sarah? What the fuck does this mean? <laughs> I was imagining that today. I was like imagining, imagine Sarah gets on and looks up stuff. Like what people are saying, like what people are wondering about. And I'm like, but she doesn't. Be- she's insane. She said she's aware of people's theories. Well, that's because her friends send them to her. She okay, well, does maybe not- her friends listen to our podcast. Do you listen to our podcast? Tell her, tell her about us. We really want to be friends. And I promise we're not scary in real life. Just invite us over. We just have a few questions. We want to be your friend. That's all. You're like, Kelly, block the door. (laughs) Get the blindfold out. (laughs) Just kidding. You're like, to be fair, you gave us that idea. Is your your headboard like my headboard? (laughs) That you you asked me in her life. (laughs) Actually, Kelly's husband made me a leather face mask. (laughs) I have one for you. Close your eyes. <laughs> you look to be the same size. Uh, it's already fitted to me. And I wish. She <laughs> looks like a teeny tiny. Jesus Christ. Okay. Obviously. So then the, the Templar. I suspect this is part of something larger that is happening. We think so? I think the powers that originally destroyed the Daglin and trapped Coche in his lake, the powers of Thea and her children, are all being reborn at the same time to fight that battle anew. I love that. Yes, what they're saying. Yeah. And that... That's also why I liked this theory. And then, But it's all happening now whenever Amran says a similar thing to Reese about the High King thing. Why do you think all of this is happening now? Right. It's just interesting. And it says, first to destroy Koche once and for all, and then to prepare for a renewed battle with the Asteri Daglin, this time to destroy them once and for all. Mm-hmm. And we are also seeing the other power players return, like the Dread Trove, or the Dead Trove, whichever. Whichever. If I would have only said it once. It was that third time. But I gotcha. it, it, you know. It, ah. And the Trove of Weapons, Guidian and the True Teller and Narbin, 
wherever it is. I don't think it was thrown into the sea, Mm -mm. but plus a new trove of weapons. And they go on to say like Aelin's sword. Is Aelin going to show up and they're like, Narbin. Yeah. Narbin. (laughs) Sorry. 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 And it's kind of a goofy name. I know. I know, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Narbin. It sounds like someone with like glasses and a pocket protector. Oh, and a calculator. I, imme- I immediately imagine a narwhal every time. Narbin the narwhal <laughs> <laughs> with its horn. Okay. And they go on to say that they suspect something similar has been happening in Midgard with Bryce and Hunt and company. And not only will the Archeron sisters powers be necessary for the current battle with Koche that is brewing, but they will also be necessary for the big crossover battle to come because it has been confirmed that uh, you got to read both series for it to all fucking make sense. They also have an additional thing where they say, and one day I will make my big theory post about the intergalactic Asteri fighting team that they already believe that Jessica and Adis are already a part of. <laughs> That's just what they've named it, which, you know what? Intergalactic? I'm here for it. It's very Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh-huh. is kind of fitting. And then also like that the Artron sisters are part of it, the inner circle, the priestesses in the library. I mean, they know a lot. And Bryce and Co. will all eventually become part of that movement to defeat the Asteri and Koche once and for all. So a while ago, <laughs> circling back, we had the post about the second daughter, which is an Illyrian. They have crack in quotes theory, but I know that you love a good Illyrian origin theory. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So the theory is the Illyrians were originally demons from hell that Aedas or Apollyon or maybe even Thea sent with Thea's second daughter through the rift to protect her and the truth teller. So Thea's second daughter in Sky and Breath, we again learned that Thea and Fion had two daughters, Helena and a second daughter. Like that poor fucking second daughter. They're just like, yeah, that one. Like <laughs> that's, if there was three kids. She's the middle child. Right, so it's that, fitting. That second daughter. I wouldn't really know a whole lot about that. I'm the only child, little sister. But anyways, um, so while Helena was forced to wed Peleus and remain in Midgard, no one knows what happened to her second daughter. Indeed, Adis says she disappeared, which it has asterisks next to Adis because that was regalious as a kid can. Mm-hmm. Says she disappeared into the night and he never learned her fate. And then it says Thea was dead by that point. Adis said fat, flat, <laughs> fatly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Adis said flatly. Peleus slew her. Okay, well, that was clearly not Adis talking. Slew her? Jesus. He nodded to the star sword in Rune's hand and stole her blade when he'd finished. He snarled, that sword belonged to Thea's female heir, not the male offspring who corrupted her line. Adis laughed coldly. Your celebrated prince... It's hard, man. It's hard. Your celebrated prince Peleus, the so-called first starborn prince, was an imposter. Thea's other daughter got away, vanished into the night. I never learned of her fate. Peleus used the star sword and the horn to set himself up as a prince and pass them on to his offspring. The children of Helena bore him through rape. And then it has the asterisk. The real Aedis, of course, might know where Thea's second daughter is because this was Regalius mm-hmm. talking the whole time. That fucker. So the star sword has a twin and without which the star sword does not have all of its powers. As far as the history books show, Guidian's twin was lost sometime during the first wars. The sword was part of a pair, Rune said to him. A long-bladed knife was forged 
from the Iridium mine from the same meteorite which fell on our old world, which we have talked about in the past. The world the Fae had left to travel through the Northern Rift and into Midgard. But we lost the knife eons ago. Even the Fae archives have no record of how it might have been lost. Well, Asriel has it. Uh, But it seems to have been sometime during the first wars. When knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people be. The star sword is Gwydion. And that its twin is Truteller, which is in Prithian. And then where Amran's like, Gwydion. And indicating the star sword. Which means somehow Truth Teller got from Midgard and Thea Peleus's possession back to Prithian. So how did Truth Teller get back to Prithian? The best guess is that Thea's second daughter took Truth Teller through the rift to keep Peleus from being able to use it. And so then that way it wasn't in its full power. And from being able to use Gwydion at its full power, originally it was wondered if she stole it from him after he killed her mother. But this passage, it gives pause. So it says, so that star will lead us back to our world through you. They overthrew our brethren who once ruled there. We have not forgotten. Our initial attempt at revenge was foiled by your ancestor who also bore that star on her chest. The Fae have still not atoned for the deaths of our brothers and sisters. Their home world was rich in magic. I crave more of it. And it's there that Regelius is talking about how the Asteri's attempt to go back to Prithian to seek revenge on the Fae who defeated the Daglin Asteri. There were thwarted by, quote, your ancestor who also bore the star on her chest, which is saying that a female closed the rift, not Peleus. So was it Thea before Peleus slew her or was it Helena after Thea died? Which one had a scar like Bryce's on her chest? If it was Thea, did if it was Thea, did she give her second daughter the knife and tell her to flee with it through the rift to protect her people and stop Peleus from getting its full power? If it was Helena, was it was this her last act of defiance to stop Peleus and the Asteri and to protect her people? To take the knife from Peleus and to stop the Asteri from returning to Perithian. I have a question. How does that line up with Elena's story from Throne of Glass. Elena was born to a fey king, Brannon, and his wife, Mala Firebringer. During the time of her youth, a war against the Valg king Erewhon was fought. Sometime before the final battle, Elena met and fell in love with Gavin Hilliard and later married him. Elena was the first queen of Adderlon. She is distantly related to Dorian. Is Helena the second daughter? First daughter. We don't know the second daughter. We, yeah, Helena's the first daughter. The three-circle symbol of El- the Eye of Elena is what bears similarity to what Bryce wears and then to also what the bone carver draws in the dirt. And Manon's witch, the goddess. Yeah. Three-faced goddess. Yeah. Elena Havilliard was the daughter of the Fae King Brannon and the first queen of Adderlon. She was also the mate and wife of Gavin Havilliard, the first king of Adderlon. She is the direct ancestor of the members of House Havilliard and the same time is a descendant to Terrison's royal family, House Galathinus. So she was born to Brannon and Mala. During the time of the youth, the war against the Valg King Erewhon was fought. Sometime before the final battle, Elena met and fell in love with Gavin Havilliard and later married him. She used the lock to temporarily seal the Valg King under the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. Like, I I had the same reaction, but 
seeing it reflected in your face was like fantastic. Why don't we have cameras? Oh, okay. Under the mountain at Morath, the lock was later named the Eye of Elena. Unfortunately, her brave deeds were forgotten and the queen was usually depicted as a damsel in distress. As stated by her ghost, the tombs of her and her husband are placed beneath the grounds of the glass castle in Riffold. During the fall of Terrison, Elena caused Arabin to find a young Aelin in the river and by doing that gave up her afterlife. I mean, you saved her life, but at what cost? Yep. She, she had a terrible life. Yeah, I mean, facts. I mean, she's a the best, but still. But still. Okay. When Aelin summons Elena in Skulls Bay, Elena examines... Or explains why the goddess Deanna took possession of Aelin and her magic. Aelin confronts her about lying about not actually killing Erewhon and leaving it for future generations to fix. Elena says it was the only choice she has to save Aurelia. Elena explains how her mother, Mala Firebringer, had fallen in love with Brandon and became mortal in order to be with him. She then says that her mother gave up her mortal body in order to forge the lock to seal the gate. Elena admits that she didn't know what the lock was supposed to be for and that by using it, she broke the promise for how it was supposed to be used and has been paying for it ever since. The last thing she tells Aelin and her companions is that her mother was Mala Firebringer, revealing that Aelin, Doreen Havilliard, and Adian Ashriver all carry Mala's blood in them. And then inside the witch mirror, Manon and Aelin discover the undiluted truth about the battle against Erewhon. They discover that Elena broke the lock a thousand years before, or a thousand years earlier to defeat Erewhon, but as payment for doing so and ruining the one shot the world had it sending evil back to where it came the gods made elena rise guide and prepare quote sheep for the slaughter to sacrifice and create a new lock the whole time elena has been raising selena up to become a sacrifice which aelin doesn't give up her life in the end basically like what she was supposed to quote unquote officially seal everything Mm mm-hmm Elena manif- Oh, and then in Kingdom of Ash, read Elena that. manifests when Aelin attempts to seal the word keys with Dorian. Wait, read this next sentence very slow. Are you following along? I am. This is the throne of glass.fandom.com. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. The gods appear as well, and some of them remark on how long it's taken to finally go home. Just another one of those moments. That's all. Mm. Elena is visibly scared and upset at her impending evanescence, her debt fulfilled. Aelin tries to bargain with the gods to let Elena return to the afterlife with her family, and Deanna initially looks as if she will do it. Instead, she destroys Elena's soul completely while Aelin and Mala watch. It's all filler, Liv. That's all it is. It's all fucking filler. Okay. So then... I have a question, just real quick. What? What's up? So... The sentence about the under the mountain. She used the lock to temporarily seal the Volg King under the mountain at Morath. The lock was later named the Eye of Elena. So how did, why did that work? Is it because of the word stone? Yeah. That's what I've been saying about fucking under the mountain in Akatar. I know. The throne. The. Because everybody's like, how did Amarantha take everyone's power? I'm like, she didn't. It's the mountain is made of word stone. It has to be. Well, at the top of Romiel, like yeah, I was gonna the say, stone at the top. Yes. Yeah. That they're like dying to get to. And then because the Cassian wor- has a thought of like, nobody knows what's under Romiel. Romiel. And then Eris says something like, y'all are too fucking stupid to go look at it. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I know. Listen, we have talked about it. I know. But we've I'm just, got 
we've got the audio to prove it. We're not. It's all filler. Happy birthday. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna okay. Um, and so let's see. So then Regelius was talking about the Asteri's attempt to go back in Prithian to seek revenge on the Fae who defeated the Daglin. Asteri. There was thwarted by, quote, your ancestor who also bore the star on her chest, which is saying that a female closed the rift, not Peleus. So was it Thea before Peleus slew her or was it Helena after Thea died? Which one had the scar like Bryce's on her chest? If it was Thea, did she give her second daughter the knife and tell her to flee with it through the rift to protect her people and stop Peleus from getting his full power? If it was Helena, was this her last act of defiance to stop Peleus in the Asteri and to protect her people to take the knife from Peleus and to stop the Asteri from returning to Perithian? And then it says, anyways, back to the point. <laughs> Same. It's impossible. Uh, to I know. Like there is real. Thing. There is just no one point. Yeah. I think Thea and Fion's second daughter fled through the rift with True Teller, returning to Prithian, and that she didn't go alone. The Illyrians are hell demons, and that is hell with a capital H and one L. Okay. Circling back to a discussion that we have had in a further one, because in Akatar, they call it hell lowercase two L's. Yep. I At thought be- you, and I was wrong. So at the beginning of Sky and Breath, Bryce is at the ballet looking at the art of the first wars. What Ember stepped closer to the depiction of an army of winged demons swooping down from the skies upon a terrestrial army gathered on the plain below. This one's about Hell's armies arriving to conquer Midgard during the first wars. Bryce finished trying to keep her voice bland to block out the flash of talons and fangs and leathery wings. Quote, an army of winged demons swooping down from the skies upon a terrestrial army gathered on a plain below. Sounds an awful lot. Like Akawar. What's a terrestrial army? A terrestrial is of, on, or relating to the earth. Oh, so that just means like yeah. they were on the ground. As an army of winged soldiers, sounds familiar. But they're being painted as the bad guys in Crescent City. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Bryce later remembers the leathery wings of the demons she killed in Earth and Blood. Anyways. So were I mean, those like, I imagine those as like creatures, not like Illyrians. Yeah. But, so we're saying that the Illyrians are like a cross between those. Yes. Okay. Yes. That they, that they were like a led quote unquote hell's true army. That they were not just like a feral demon, quote unquote demon. It's a loose term. So okay. And so it says Hunt later describes Apollyon's wings as leathery. Wings rustled nearby, not the soft feathers of his wings, but something leathery, dry. And when Bryce sees Asriel, she says he has, quote, demon wings and later describes his and Reese's wings as leathery. She glimpses black boots, dark scale like armor over a tall muscle body. Sorry, us on repeat. Wings, great black wings, a demon's wings. And then it also, then his hands were at her knees and back and the ground was gone. They were flying only the flap of his weathery, weathery of his leathery wings. God bless it. There's a 30% chance that it's Don't already raining. raining. <laughs> his weathery wings. <laughs> okay. Are Illyrians descendants from demons? Do they descend from the flying winged demons in Hell's armies from the first war? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I added all the extra question marks. We also learned that 
on brand. Uh, we also learned that Apollyon slew. Why do, Why is it slew? Why is it not? I really don't like slain? that. Slain. Why? Anyways, he fucked up Peleus. I'm not saying it's not real. <laughs> it just doesn't sound I good. I just don't like it. Uh, okay. We also learned that Apollyon fucked up Peleus <laughs> for his brother Atis, who loved Thea, to avenge what Peleus did to Thea. And then we have another twitch of his mouth. You do not trust us. Good. Thea did. It was her downfall. Starborn Queen? Yes. Adius is great love. Bryce startled. His what? Why do you think I slew... God, fucking shit. Why do you think I <laughs> slew Peleus? God, I've said that word so much. Why do you think I went to devour Sirius? All for him. My foolish, lovesick brother in such a rage over Thea's death as at Peleus's hands. His folly lost us that phase of the war. Did Adis or Apollyon or maybe even Thea send a group of Hell's winged demon soldiers through the rift with Thea's second daughter to protect her and see her through safely. Indeed, the Illyrians are bred soldiers who are brutal and an old fashioned in their ways. Is this because they were born and bred warriors from hell trained to fight against the Asteri? And if the rift is under or on Romiel as a, as suspected, it might be, did they come through in the Illyrian mountains and make their home there? guarding and hiding what Thea's daughter brought through the rift. Truth teller. Is that why there are Illyrian runes on the scabbard? And are those really runes from hell? Are the Illyrians still tasked with guarding the rift to stop the Asteri if they come back through to regain Prithian? If the rift is under Romiel, what else might be there? Eris knows clearly. What else might be the Illyrians protecting? Did you already say, and did I completely black out? If they're part demon, what's the other half of the Illyrian? It would have to be Fae. They're not Fae, though. Right? They were bred. So, I mean... In the same way, Hun's not Fae. I think Hun's Fae. Right. I think that through time and through breeding... They want to be Fae. How else would Cassian have a mate? Right. That's what I'm saying. That's just... That hit me for the first time. They're basically, well, in the Actar world, the lesser of the lesser Fae or whatever... Which Reese doesn't see them that way, but everyone else does. Yeah. yeah. But it, it doesn't say like a specific. Oh, okay. No. And then last thought, could Thea's second daughter have mated with one of the Illyrian's demons that helped her through? And could her and Thea and Fionn's bloodline be in the Illyrian line? We know Helena had shadow powers as well as starborn powers. Could her sister have had them too? I mean, it's possible. Could that be where Asriel's shadow singing abilities come from Thea's second daughter because they also talk about that he is not the only shadow singer Asriel doesn't even consider himself Illyrian like he thinks of himself as other yes other what right exactly do we know how he got truth teller why the hell he has it oh how did Asriel get truth teller oh I guess we don't know how he got it yet I believe you because I don't find a, this is how Asriel got it. Yeah. So I don't think we know. Okay. 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 So could that be where Asriel's shadow singing abilities come from? Thea's second daughter. And if that's the case, he is an heir of Fion and to truth teller. What happened to the high king? Farah asked. Reese ran a hand over a page of a book. Fion was betrayed by his queen who had been leader of her own territory and by his dearest friend who was his general. They killed him taking some of his bloodline's most powerful and precious weapons, and then out of the chaos that followed, the seven high lords rose, and the courts have been in place ever since. Thea and Peleus killed Fion, taking some of his bloodline's most powerful and precious weapons. Weapons, plural, not weapon. 
Gwydion and Truteller are two of Fion's bloodline's most powerful weapons. And if Asriel descends from Thea and Fion, they're his bloodline's weapons too. But so <clears throat> in Crescent City, Thea is actually the one that was supposed to be in possession of it. Mm-hmm. The king was the one that had stolen it. And it says... So Asriel and Bryce and Rune could essentially be from like the same... Yeah. Bloodline, which obviously Reese has to be too if he looks exactly like Rune. Right. Okay. And Azrael has one of them. He had it for centuries. Did it choose him? Is that how he found it? Was he drawn to it? Did Azrael quote win truth teller in a similar way that rune won the star sword? I was going to say, wouldn't that be so cool if he found it like during the great ride or something? And how does that mean Azrael can wield truth teller and its powers? Cause that's the other thing too. It would have to almost and call Elaine, to him. And Elaine was able to use it. Yes. Which if the Archerons are starborn, and does that mean that Reese is also an heir to Guidian and Truthteller, given the hints that we got that Rune and Reese are related? Oh my God, wouldn't that be amazing if, like, the beginning of Flame and Shadow, Reese just like sticks out his hand and lowers hammer, Star Sword goes right to Reese's hand, and he's like, yeah. "Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry." That Guidian and Truthteller are Reese's bloodlines weapons as well. So then it could be like Azrael has Truthteller and Reese has Guidian. Anyways, I think Azrael and Elaine are certain to go to Ramiel in Akatar 5 to search for the fourth trove or for the trove weapons to see what is under Ramiel. And I wonder if we might discover more about the Illyrians history because I mean, we're very wishy-washy on the Illyrians. It's just one day they were just like, there they were. And then then they had their own mountains. It was wild. And then what they've been guarding, which whenever we've talked about the map overlay of where the Illyrian mountains are. I love the idea that, well, I mean, whenever they talk about whenever Nesta talks about like the stone on top of it and like how essentially when you touch it, it winnows you away. Yes. That's just really interesting. I'm almost wondering when it winnows you away, they're seeing it as, Oh, we've climbed the mountain for the great ride. It winnows you to back out of here. It's literally like, get the fuck away from this. I mean, they don't have what they need to open the rift. Right. And so at that, but also at that point, it's like, but, nope, like, but like rejected. The, the Illyrian warrior that they're like doing the great right for, I just lost his name. It was right on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Yep. Because the, the whole, Anelius. Like, yep. I'm like the whole three day fight. Like, yes. Yada, 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 Anelius. Yeah. So he's essentially fighting off the Asteri mm-hmm. from reaching the top. Cause he's like, you motherfuckers are not getting out of here. Yep. And We're he holds them you. off. I was going to say he holds them off. But in Akatar, do they say that they beat them? Maybe there were more Asteri in the beginning, and there's only seven or six left. Oh, he is, he holds them off for like three days, waiting for backup. Yeah, and he draws a line under that arch that is also Wordstone. It has to be. It has to be. So, what if like their numbers are dwindling because the Illyrians? Yeah. No. The Asteri. Oh, sorry. Because like, Aelin and her posse killed off some of them. And then the Illyrians killed off some of them. And then they keep just planet hopping. Yeah. And then they're just slowly. And also, do you think that they created the Great Rite? Because it says the rest of the year to prevent novices from scouting the area to give themselves an advantage is generally considered unacceptable by Illyrians for outside forces to interfere with the Rite. But they closed down Romiel for the rest of the year. Is it so much of like, oh, you can't scout it? Or is it like the mountain or like Romulan itself is like, no, no, no. You get this one day or this short window where as like 
where we've seen where history has been twisted. It's, oh, okay, the great right, but really is it just actually trying to keep everyone away from the rift? And we don't know who even put it on top of that. Is that what's keeping the rift closed? Eris talks about the mountains and like how there's three of them. They're like three sisters. How many towers were there in Throne of Glass? Witch towers. The witch towers. Oh, I didn't know if we were talking about like, like Torre or like what. Because also it says the towers family lived in. No, like literal towers. Oh, during the battle in Kingdom of Ash? Where, yes, where they're oh. like channeling shit to make things explode. Just wondering if there's parallels. We're saying like, if there's a king under one of the mountains, and it's obviously Wordstone from Throne of Glass, and then there's three mountains in Akatar that are also obviously Wordstone. I'm just like, okay, are the towers in the same places as the mountains? Is the stone on top of Ramiel a remnant of that? Or is the mountain around the tower? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. <sighs> okay, the Illyrian's history. Okay, and then one final question. Was Elaine able to use Truth Teller's powers... And how is it because she is starborn or simply because she was made or is it something else? Was truth teller pointing to several connections between Asriel and Elaine when it formed that bridge between them true mates, but also starborns or heirs truth tellers. And then wait, a final question is Thea's second daughter. Also the Fey warrior who trapped Koche. Also, regardless of when the Illyrians got to Prithian or why the writer of this Tumblr is officially convinced that they are demons from hell. And the questions are, why they came there, when they came there, and why they're still there. Clearly, Asriel and Elaine are drawn to each other. Elaine's mate is Lucian, but Asriel, they are drawn to each other. There is clearly a connection, but maybe it's not that like a love connection. Maybe it is literally the starborn blood and their power calling to each other. And that's what's drawing them together. Be- yes. Okay. <laughs> well, great. That's the show. So thanks for listening and good night. So yeah, bouncing off of the original theory that I was talking about, the different lights and how it's suspected that Feyre has the same or like didn't light. We, didn't we just say that one of the sisters had shadow and one of them has light? They as kids. So if there is to be three where it's Helios, Selene, and Eos, Helios is the sun, Selene is the moon, and Eos is the dawn. So Helios, the sun, is Pharaoh because it does talk about how she like glows. And Selene is the moon, which that's also Helena, which is similar to Nesta. And then Eos is the dawn, which is Elaine. I was just thinking like, those actual people, and we're talking like their ancestors. Could the moon one be Azriel's? Whereas <laughs> Elaine and Azrael are drawn to each other because their ancestors were siblings is what I'm trying to get at. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have to be, there's there's a deeper connection. Which were like gross, but also Aelin and Rowan were like distantly. Aelin and Dorian. Aelin and Dorian also. And Rowan though. And Adian. Well, I know, but they were like decently close cousins. Uh, yeah, they're pretty sure they were first cousins. That's what I'm saying. Oh, well, she yeah. didn't hook up with him. Well, no. I'm talking about people they were, she they were, they were supposed to. So gross. I know. Okay. So as far as the light stuff, 
So this is actually a part two and it's winged blooms on Tumblr and it's hope shining in the void. So this is the light of the three sisters. So I guess they have a part one that they talked about the various types of light using the premise from Reese that like the dark, it is neither wholly good nor evil and it comes in different forms and can be molded by the light wielder to match their intent. And so then in Sky and Breath, we learn even more about this concept of individualized or nuanced light, where it says that Bryce said more to herself than to the demon prince. I hadn't realized they had have individualized starlight nuances to the light amongst the fae. Although they have a surname associated with the underworld, Archeron, much like River Acheron, and live in the night court, the Archeron sisters, like Thea and her offspring, have their own unique light. This light may have been orchestrated by fate so they could act as foils to another trio of siblings, Coche, the Weaver, and the Bone Carver. And counterparts for the three found brothers, Resand, Cassian, and Asriel. So this is clearly shipping, or at least partnering mm-hmm. Elaine with Az. Although, then the Tumblr Winged Blooms says, although I wish I had gotten around to finishing this soon after I promised part one, I feel this conversation is even more pertinent now that Sky and Breath has been released. And so in Mist and Fury, we are introduced to the seemingly prophetic words of the book of breathings, breathings, breathings. Nope. Breathings. I said it wrong so many times at one point. So now I'm like, which one is it? I don't remember. Okay. Which now resides in the Crescent City world. Jezebel got, she got that. The chaotic half of the book speaks in threes and starts with this line, life and death and rebirth. The words of B.O.B. may be interpreted a few different ways. Each line includes a set of three and each part of that three might represent a sister, such as life, Feyre, death, Nesta, and rebirth, Elaine, which also aligns with, the rebirth part of Elaine as like spring. as spring and like our whole like Persephone theory. And then each phase may also describe a particular sister. For example, rot and bloom and bone is often connected to Elaine since she is consistently associated with flowers. And last but not least, it might refer to a life cycle that applies to all three sisters in general, describing their life as humans the death of that life and the rebirth as powerful Fae, which if already they already have the starborn in their bloodline, that rebirth is a resurgence of the starborn in their bloodline. As a key part of that journey includes healing, they find hope shining in the void. All three are valid and useful for this point. We can focus on mostly on the first interpretation as those three separate words, life and death and rebirth. And it may describe the light unique to each sister. And then this does align nicely with the concept of unique or nuanced light that we learned about in Crescent City, which is connected to those who came to Midgard from Prithian. We're reminded that Thea, the starborn queen from Prithian, is named from the Greek goddess of sight and light. And then she had three children associated with different kinds of light, which Helios, Selene, and Eos, sun, moon, dawn. And then we know of two children, that Thea bore, and then one is unnamed, and the other one is Helena, which is sometimes connected to Selene for the moon. Bryce somehow bears Thea's unique light, according to Adis. Is this light connected to Helena's offspring, who seem to have stayed in Crescent City, or the other unnamed daughter? It also talks about, is it possible that both, over the course of thousands of years, manifested different kinds of light? And if the unnamed daughter returned to Prithian to protect the people on the other side of the rift, and then also if the Illyrians 
or like the demons that became the Illyrians went with her. And then clever that Fey warrior, her bloodline is long gone now, though a trace still runs through some human lines. He smiled perhaps a bit sadly. No one remembers her name, but I do. She would have been my salvation had I not made my choice long before she walked this earth. Could that human line run through the veins of the Archeron sisters? If so, that might also explain the manifestation of their different kinds of light. Light that aligns with the children of the mythological Thea, sun, moon, and dawn. So the life is the sun, Pharah. Um, and although Pharah is the youngest, she is the sister we have come to know first, the first sister. So it's not necessarily in birth order. It could necessarily be in introduction order. Although she possesses power from all seven remaining courts, the most common light she exhibits is from the day court, which we have talked about faintly as some inner light shown beneath my skin, leaking out into the world, warm and white light, like the sun, like a star. Feyre has oldest daughter energy anyways. Absolutely. You can't tell me that the daughter that goes out and hunt, hunts mm-hmm. and feeds her whole family. Um, shining. I was shining bright and pure as a star. Day court, I asked. But there, deep within day's light, I gleaned it. Also, I burned brighter. I sent that binding light flaring once more, a distraction and slate of hand as a as I severed the wards. Replenished in pure and light. Like, it just goes on and on of all of these ways that Farah is described more of that, like, daylight, like, starlight look. Death, the moon... Nesta is the oldest of the three and the second sister whose story has been told. She is the second sister. The light she is associated with most is the cold light of the moon, the silver light of death. Iridescent sparks danced along the blade, truly glowed like moonlight, queen of the night, merciless and cold and beautiful, death herself. I mean, it just goes on and on to talk about Nesta's parallels with death. And then the rebirth of is Dawn, which is Elaine. And Elaine, the middle child whose story we believe could possibly be told next, is the third sister, and she is associated with spring and rebirth as well as beauty of dawn. And then there's so many attributes. Soft and lovely, like the summer dawn, flushed with color, her pink dress. She was a bloom of color and sunshine since dawn, and she's been out since dawn in her gardens and blah, blah, blah. Their unique light might provide a necessary counterbalance to the dark. They are hope, iridescent light, shining in the void, darkness that gobbles up all light and color, that a weaver of fate, like Erd, created. As such, they act as natural foil to the dark death god siblings who are suspected may be born of the void, like the Underking and Princess of Hell in Crescent City. If the Underking spoke true, beings returned to the void after death. And for the death god siblings, they might actually be home. This connection to void may be why the bone carver was also so pointed in his questions when Farah described where she went after death, which we have talked about. Also, we definitely glossed over, and I say we, I I mean Sarah, (laughs) (laughs) glossed over the death of like, the weaver and the bone carver. Yes, I feel like for they're going. There's going to be a resurgence. There's no way. They're gone for good. I was going to say, I feel like they were killed way too easily, which I know that Hybern used the cauldron to do so. But again, were they killed or were they 
where they sent home, where they (laughs) sent back to the void, where they sent home, where they sent back to the depths of hell. So then whenever hell comes up and out and we see, whether we see it in Crescent City or whether we see it in Akatar, are we going to see them reborn? Um, and so it says when, when the carver or when the cauldron took his life, speaking on the bone carver, it's no wonder he was relieved. He was finally returning home. It's also been wondered in the shifting forms of fate post. If the cauldron was linked to the void, the darkness of beginnings and endings, it seems to be the dark womb from which everything is born. And those who have died can return through it like a magical portal. And then there's just text that just talks about. They say all the magic was contained inside of it, that the world was born of it. It could not be destroyed for it had made all things. And if it were broken, then life would cease to be. Could something that is dead be reforged? But in di- but in dying for a worthy cause, did the carver wink- weaken his other powerful siblings? He and his siblings may be related to the Arkesian Ambulant, a symbol of the three overlapping circles in the Crescent City series. Also, the Eye of Lena. Also, the Carver literally drew it. And it's the symbol that the Carver draws for Pharaoh to explain him and his siblings. Also, Bryce wore this symbol in Earth and Blood, and it protected her from detection. And then, so how are the Death God siblings connected to this amulet? Was it developed by the clever warrior who may have been related to Thea and the Archeron sisters and was subsequently forgotten? Hence the similarity between the Archesian and Archeron, as has been pointed out. Was it used as protection from or as a way to confine the siblings' magic? How is it that history connected to the priestesses then and now? Have they intentionally hidden the secrets of this history, biding their time for a sign from Erd? Bryce landing in Prithian at the end of Sky and Breath could be that sign. Is it also possible the three interlocking circles are the death gods themselves, trapped in Prithian as protection against an even greater foe, such as the Asteri? While it is thought that Koshe has been set up enough to serve as the main villain in the Akatar series, the events of Sky and Breath have made the writer wonder how the crossover might impact the future plot, which now we know Sarah saying that definitely more than just like a one and done crossover that they are fully interlocked at this point. Both the Carver and Weaver, though neither are considered heroes, enter bargains with the night court and ultimately sacrifice their lives to help Prithian. When the Carver died, the Weaver felt his loss deeply like a Brennian leak, like a Brennian link in Boromine rings, three interlocking circles. Sorry. Those were words that, don't come out of my mouth very often, if at all. Probably the <laughs> <Ever>. first time. <laughs> These rings symbolize strength and unity, and when one circle is broken, the other two fall apart. Is it possible then that when the Carver and the Weaver were killed, Koche felt their loss just as deeply and was weakened? Not that he like necessarily cared, but just with the fact that they were interlocking, that he could like we've seen in like movies and other stuff that they just like, feel it, and then if that was what kind of was like really powering him. He kind of lost some of that. Is this the reason he appears as a shadow rather than in his true form? Will he serve solely as a villain or could he enter into a bargain like his siblings and help Prithian, especially if we're to see a full crossover with hell and the Asteri and their long lost relatives who are in Midgard fight an even greater foe, the Asteri, or equally concerning was the protection that this symbol may have offered Prithian served 
lifting a protection veil over the world and granting access that was previously locked 15,000 years before. Hence the appearance of not only Aelin, but Bryce as well after their deaths. It goes on to talk about that this ancient interlocking symbol isn't exclusive to circles either. There is another referred to as the Volknet that has three interlocking triangles. And it's a Norse symbol that the meaning isn't necessarily clear, but it's associated with Odin, the afterlife and his ability to bind and unbind, which is a Norse mythology. The Valkyries served Odin and were sent into battle by him to determine where warriors might go after death. I have something to say. Say it. This person put into words what I was trying to say earlier, but with an extra little caveat. So I was like asking about Azrael, his shadows. Who did he come from? How did he get Truth Teller? Blah, 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 blah. And we're like, if the if Truth Teller and the Star Sword are like Alpha and Omega, they belong together. This person, Sarah Darling, S-A-E-R-A Darling, says- we've, we've- read stuff from her before yeah okay she says anyone else have a gut feeling that anilius the illyrian was a prince of hell so i was just flipping through and it was interesting because whenever god i just forgot his freaking name bellius is about to fight nesta yeah he's oh the little line nice touch our god did the same thing which i thought that's weird. They call him a god. So she says... It's just filler, right? Notice how Apollyon is the seventh prince and Adis is the fifth. What if Anelius was the sixth prince? So she says, we know the seventh, we know the fifth, where's the sixth? Cassian tells Feyre that Illyrians aren't high fae or lesser fairies, they're just Illyrians. So it makes sense that they're from somewhere else. Hell has to tie in with Prithian somehow. It's literally the only word that Azrael recognizes when Bryce winds up there and speaking another language. I don't think it's a coincidence that Azrael is the first person Bryce stumbles upon while looking for a prince from hell. Our cold shadow singing bat boy has to share some DNA with Anelius or just a prince of hell in general. We've talked yeah. about him being a prince of hell. Yeah. So if he's a prince of hell, which and Bryce has Thea's star sword and her light again, it would make sense that Truth Teller and the Star Sword are yes. like, or that those people have them and that it goes together. Anelius had the pass on Ramiel to hold off the enemies, the Daglin slash Asteri from reaching the summit, which was a rift long enough for his allies to come finish them off. Regelius tells Bryce that her Fey ancestors were longtime friends and allies with Hell, which would make sense with Bryce and the Dusk Court because the Dusk is the end of the day, which aligns with. Like almost like an entrance to hell and death. The Illyrians were probably an outpost of hell's soldiers overseen by Anelius and Prithian, where they'd chase the Daglanisteri after kicking them off their own planet. So then this comment, the next one, again, this is like putting into words what I was trying to get out earlier, but I couldn't make the connection. This one, this is infamous brick 9476. I'm not sure Anelius was a prince of hell as nothing is said about a missing prince, but that could be. We've only been introduced to three princes of hell so far and we know there are seven. So where are the rest? The fact that these princes can choose their forms when they appear to people and seem to have always had the ability to cross worlds is very suspicious to me. They seem to be connected to all of the worlds even after the gates closed. I found it telling that Apollyon appeared to Bryce differently than he appeared to Hunt. And when Hunt described him as wreathed in shadows with leathery sounding wings, my brain immediately went to Azrael. If Azrael is not the offspring of one of these princes, I will be truly shocked that Sarah missed the opportunity. Trust and believe she has not missed the opportunity. No. If Adis and Th- this is the part. If Adis and Thea were great lovers, Thea had the star sword that was passed to her heir, Bryce. 
and the truth teller, its dark counterpart, is its twin, then wouldn't it make sense that the heir of a prince of hell would get that knife? We don't know much of anything at all about Azrael's bloodline. Could it be that his mother got pregnant by Apollyon and she was in service to that family at the time and she could have passed Azrael off as an Illyrian's asshole son because of the wings? But what if he wasn't? What if they treated Azrael the way they did because he'd always been darker, more demon-born than Illyrian? What if that's why they were so cruel to him? What if Azrael can change his form and only decides to keep his Illyrian image because he found his family with Reese and Cassian as an Illyrian? That's why he says he's other. We know he's different. We know he's other. And it's like, I can't wait to get answers to my Azrael questions. Moore even said if Reese declared him Prince of Valaris, he'd never feel good enough. And I was like, what if he is? What if he is a prince? And it would also explain just why he's so powerful why he needs seven siphons for his power. Because also in the theory that Cassian and Nesta are the ancestors of Hunt in some way, as Cassian is so powerful too, why are they the only two Illyrians that are so powerful if they're not from something else? Yeah, yes, we've talked about that. Yes, we've talked about Cassian and Even Reese doesn't have siphons. No. Why do they have seven siphons? I know. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Like, But her fae ancestors were longtime friends and allies with hell. So that could just mean literally Prithian fae and Illyrians. Yeah. Regelius tells Bryce that. So thinking that, Ada says that Thea trusted hell and that was her downfall. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so she... Wait, which brother does Adis say he killed or who killed the brother? Adis or Apollyon? Killed his lovesick brother. Apollyon killed Peleus for Adis. Because Adis was in love with Thea. Yes. Adis is interested in Bryce because she is his descendant. Or a descendant of Thea, which she is. Guess who has a post to talks about this? None other. God damn it, Emily. (laughs) Emmy Ego. You know it. You I know, know it. it. We all know it. We love her. She's the queen. God. How do we give her the title officially? This is her post, actually, and we've talked about this before. This is her post talking about Bryce and Azrael being mates, which we're not going there. We're just talking about the Star Sword and right. Truth Teller. We're just pulling from it. Yes. So again. <laughs> oh, God. Queen Thea. OG Starborn wielder lived in Prithian 15,000 years ago, ruled over the, what later became the Dusk Court. She had a lover, Prince Adis. He's a demon and Prince of Hell. I theorize that two outcomes occurred. Either Adis was the father of Thea's two children, which is why Helena had both the Starborn and Shadow powers, or Adis brought over or came with some other demons from Hell. Ultimately, for whatever reason, the island became a mix of Starborn Fae taking after Thea's side and those with darkness powers, such as winnowing and shadow manipulation taking after Adis' side. This then later formed the Dusk Court, which makes sense as a dusk is the crossover point between light and the dark. This also explains why Thea's two weapons, the Star Sword wielded by Bryce, which glows with a bright white light, and Truth Teller, the matching knife wielded by Azrael, which glows with a dark black light. Something went wrong for the people of the Dusk Court. We know that on the prison island, there was a harp that can open portals to different worlds. Nessa touched the harp, whatever. We know the people are buried in there. That would be interesting. Like the, we know that something went wrong. Right. There's also 26 strings on that harp. And then the 26 layers that Meryl talks about. Yeah. Each of those is time. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, just- but uh, wouldn't it be interesting if the something that went wrong was that 
Thea trusted Adis mm. and that Apollyon killed Peleus and Adis essentially betrays her and ships her people off because he's pissed or something. Yeah, that sure would Is be. Is that the something <laughs> that went wrong? Anyways, prophecy. We know that her weapons, Thea's, Queen Thea's weapons, the Star Sword and Truth Star were separated. Considering the above information, no surprise that the sword was located in the Valen Caves and the knife was in Prithian. You know the prophecy. So shall our people be. So shall our people be. Bryce talks about this, like this being fate, that something is like guiding all of this and it like gives her chills. She's like, is kind of freaked out by it. Right. Girl. Yeah. And then in the last chapter, she t- calls them, she calls the two weapons Alpha and Omega. Yeah. So it's, this leads me to the crux of the theory. It's, it is not mere weapons that are going to unite the Dusk Court once more. It's the people who wield them. Who better than Thea's descendant and Adis's descendant, Bryce and Azrael? One with starborn powers, one with shadow powers, one of light, one of dark. Both halves making up the Dusk Court. So essentially, Azrael's Adis descendant. All that to say. All He's that. cold. We've talked, we've yeah. likened him to hell before. He was deemed worthy to wield Truth Teller. I mean, he is essentially paralleling Hades in his they Azrael's power is different his winnowing is different Koshche the immortal god is after Azrael and has been preparing him for months for reasons we don't know Koshche is after Azrael I believe her I, I don't her, remember that you know, Azrael he- makes a strange comment about the prison guards knowing what he really is I also believe this is why Azrael's point of view has been mostly hidden from the readers it would not be surprising if he ends up being a huge power player in this wider game and I'm now betting this power stems from the Dusk Court. He's a prince of hell. Eris is the high lord of the Autumn Court. And they rule the world together. Well, and that just kind of with Azrael with hell and stuff. I mean, the three interlocking symbol that is the Eye of Lena. There's different three interlocking. The Volkna is triangles. And it's true meaning Norse is not clear. But it's associated with Odin and the afterlife and his ability to bind and unbind. It's derived from two words for slain warrior and not, and it may mean not of the slain warrior. So in Norse mythology, the Valkyries served Odin. They were sent into battle by him to determine where warriors might go after death. He also had a spear and it was called Gungnir. And that would strike true regardless of the skill of the bearer. Sounds a lot like truth teller, doesn't it? This interconnected symbol, as well as other knots, sometimes represents the unity between earth, heaven, and hell. Thus, its nine points may symbolize the nine worlds in Norse mythology. The three interlocking triangles most often form mountains, though they can also form a star. Is it possible that this interlocking symbol brings together both the three stars that we see in the night court symbol and the three mountains of Prithian, an ultimate symbol of the link between the different worlds and beings? Is the eight-pointed star in the prison much like a compass rose under the two mountains as well? And is that where the portals to the other worlds exist? Because especially if... Asriel saying that the prison guards know what he really is, then they must recognize something with him and also how the three interlocking symbols all coincide with that. And then the symbolic union of earth, heaven, and hell may also be connected to the three sisters and the three brothers who create a balance of light and dark. Um, and if it's correct about the Illyrians being related to the princess of hell, stop it. Stop it. Uh, 
that about the Illyrians being related to the princes of hell, is it possible that the union is one of earth, mountain, heaven, star, and hell demon? So even the three sisters, three brothers prophecy, it doesn't necessarily mean everybody's a mate. It could just mean even that Hades Persephone of Elaine and Azriel. That doesn't mean that they're going to be together, but that means that how Feyre is the parallel to Reese and then Nesta and Cassian, like even though those two are mated, Asriel and Elaine are still going to have to come together whether or not Elaine chooses Lucian and Asriel has Eris. I'm just here to say it. Uh, like it, they still, the three and the three, that's how they're going to be able to defeat Koshe and rise above the Asteri to defeat them. And so their powerful union guided by Thea's starlight through Bryce may be what is needed to open the portals, release the armies of hell, and create an epic inner world battle to end the tyranny of the Asteri once and for all. Hear me out. Azrael is different. He's not Illyrian. So what if the thing connecting Reese to Feyre, Cassian to Nesta, is the Starborn, and that's not Azrael, but it's Lucian, who is from Helion? Oh shit. <laughs> That's good, right? That's good. They think that they're brothers because they're Illyrian, but Azrael's not Illyrian. He's a descendant of Helion, who is from Thea. He's starborn as well. And so that's why when the cauldron selected Elaine to be mates with Lucian, it's because of his day powers and her spring. And so they complement each other, but then they also will be able to work in not, I guess, coherency with Asriel. And so then their powers won't deflect each other. Okay, I have one more thing to read to you. And this is, I literally started tearing up. This is, again, still from the same post about Asriel and Bryce being mates. I don't remember reading this in the past because I feel like this would have gut punched me the same way. I don't remember reading this. If I have, I'm completely blacked out. She says that Crescent City is said to be a Little Mermaid retelling. It makes sense that just like Ariel, also with red hair, Bryce travels to a new land and lacks the ability to communicate with the people around her. Okay, that's just like a little side note. That's not really the point that I'm trying to make. This is no, the but point. That's that, cute. It is cute. This is the point that I'm trying to make. She lists out the different reasons that Bryce and Hunt aren't true mates, which we've been over this. Yeah. But then Regelius, with knowledge spanning over multiple worlds, says that Hunt is Bryce's knight. K-N-I-G-H-T. This sounds more in line with the Karanam bond, especially considering Hunt charges up Bryce with his own power. However, all of this aside, again, SJM confirming that they can have more than one mate, which I think that was kind of a red herring whenever, because this was a long time ago she said that. I feel like she said that whenever it hadn't been revealed that Lyria wasn't really Rowan's mate. Right. I think that she said that to kind of throw people off. So anyways. Because I mean, she did lead everybody on back in the day with Akatar that, oh yeah, Tamlin's it. Tamlin's in game. She lied to the fandom. So to keep things under wrap yeah. wraps about Reese. So she's not scared to fucking lie to right. us. Right. So that could be the same case with us here. She says Hunt's future is looking rather grim as much as it pains me to say Hunt's death flags are plentiful. I'm going to read you this. This is going to punch you right in the face. Huh. Hunt's real name is Orion. This is a canon reference to in Orion mythology to Orion mythology as Apollyon points out that Hunt was named after Orion the Hunter. In every single mythological text, Orion dies. What's more is that Orion is usually killed by his lover. 
It is then probably no coincidence that the Oracle warned Hunt to stay far away from Bryce Quinlan. Hunt's nickname is the Umbra Mortis, which means the shadow of death. SJM has said that Iris by the Goodalls is Hunt's song. The lyrics have a sad meaning as is, but the song was actually created for the movie City of Angels. In this movie, and I, I don't know this movie. Do you know this movie? No, I don't know this movie, but in, just the title alone. In this movie, an angel falls in love with a human girl and sacrifices his immortality to be with her. However, they only share one brief final moment together before the human girl dies and is taken to an immortal celestial afterlife, leaving the fallen angel alone on earth. And let's not forget the quote drilled into us throughout all of Crescent City, Memento Mori, remember you will die. As for the mythology around Asriel, he is a clear reference to the archangel Asriel, the archangel of death and grief. In many religions, he is the prominent symbol of comfort to those who are grieving the death of a loved one. As soon as she made that connection, I'm like, mother fuck. I have, I've been willfully blind to all of Hunt's death flags. But drawing the connection of Azrael being the comfort to those grieving a loved one. Are you fucking kidding me? So that's why I was crying. <laughs> and now we're done. So goodbye. <laughs> and that's our show. <laughs> what a great end to your birthday episode. You really fucking did it. <sighs> Hope you have something to say about yourself. And on that note, happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. <laughs> Follow the show on Instagram and the Tiki Talk at Corner Theories. Follow us on our Instagrams. Send your unhinged theories to us at Accorda Theories at Gmail and become a patron by paying your spring tithe on Patreon for exclusive content and even some fun goodies. Thanks for listening. This is the worst episode ever. <laughs> Maybe the Thanksgiving one will be better next week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>